Welcome to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at SCH underscore Dave M. The main account for our website is at 2ND City Hockey. And I've joked several times about these podcasts being like group therapy sessions for us, but I don't think I have ever meant it in a more earnest manner than I do this evening because holy shit has this team been bad to start the season. So uh, let's bring in my other, uh, not not patients, I guess co- co-patients in this group therapy session that we're about to have. We're down one right now. We might be adding someone uh, down the road, but uh, up first, the analytics styling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi, I root for three hockey teams, and, and the best one of them is somehow the New Jersey Devils. Uh, how the hell did that happen? Did you travel back in time to roughly 1990s? I don't know. <laughs> before 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 my main team existed, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What's know. Like this this might be a discussion we have some other I don't understand how people can root for more than one team within a sport. Not like I'm not like shaming people that do that. It's just I I cannot tie my I cannot pull myself away from the Chicago teams. I just can't. I've, I've, I've tried it when I was younger. I tried to be like a Denver Broncos fan in the nineties. It doesn't work. It just doesn't happen. I mean, it helps that I've, I haven't been a bears fan in more than a decade. I've been a Pats fan, a Broncos fan, and now a lions fan. Well, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I it helps that it helps that I try, I switched NBA teams constantly. I'm currently technically a Lakers fan because I'm a Russell Westbrook fan. Um, so I'm technically so, rooting for LeBron James this year. But so how really. long until how long before like I get to play the Fairweather fan card on you? Uh, when <laughs> Russell Westbrook retires and I switch to the Bucks for Giannis. Okay, that's what that's yeah. that's what's All happening. Right. All right, that'll work. That'll work. Um, by the way, I always forget to throw out other people's Twitter handles, so don't forget you can follow uh, Shepard. Yeah, you can follow him on Twitter at Shepard G Price. Is that the handle? I think it's just Shepard Price. I haven't been on Twitter in a while. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but you know it's there. It's there for people who want to follow anyway. You know, boost up that follower account. Um, also with us this evening, she's not on Twitter, but you can find her on at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. She is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. I feel like I should start it by being like, hi, my name is Betsy. I'm like <laughs> I quit the Blackhawks, even though they quit me. It's been it's been six months since my last Blackhawks win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, has it been that long? Like I don't know if they won a game in May, but if not, Uh they had three or four games in May, and then they played, you know, the handful of ones. Their last win was on. It shouldn't be this hard to know. May 9th. May 9th. So So a little less than six months. So, yeah, that was the second last game. (laughs) And every other team in the league has a win except for them, at least one. No, has Arizona picked up a win? No, and they're not. They're being shellacked by 
Um, oh, okay. well, hold on. They're within one goal of Florida now. Like literally when I looked before, <laughs> it was three to nothing. <laughs> aren't, so, the, aren't the Panthers unbeaten though? I don't think the Coyotes would be the Panthers. No, but, probably uh, not. But who? I mean, if there's any like random stuff that's going to happen, it's going to be something. Phil Kessel got a goal. It, it's yeah, it's four to three, yeah. So so that's happening. But uh, Florida's Florida's actually but, good. But Arizona's at least had a lead. <laughs> I mean, they had a lead in this game. Oh my god! Yes, even yeah. I I I I just we own that stat. The Blackhawks yeah. own that stat. Oh right, boy, when if you told me that the Blackhawks were going to have a record-breaking performance to start the season, I don't think this is how I would have envisioned that going down exactly. Um, so obviously as, as I bring in Shay and Betsy, uh, most people notice we are, we are down one. We might be getting a mill siding at some point this evening. He had some other things to attend to before he could hop in. So we'll, uh, we're going to get rolling with the three of us and I'm sure he'll want to hop a spot on the couch next to all of us as we all slowly descend into madness once again. Um, so where we wanted to start this evening, um, and, and Betsy brought this up in our Slack chat and reminded me, and I kind of forgot about it because Sunday night's game was so, there were so many things I felt like that happened within that game where they got their asses kicked by Detroit, the sellout streak ends, uh, the fans are chanting fire Colleton, the Red Wings fans are starting, let's go Red Wings chants inside the United Center. Just throwing hats on the ice. Throwing their hats on the ice because Lucas Raymond had a hat trick just and and that was, I know you, this didn't affect you too, but this was also after I watched the Bears get housed by Tampa Bay up there with one of the worst sports days I have ever experienced in my life, at least as a sports fan. Um, but we have to go if back. It makes to you f- feel any better. If it makes you feel any better again, I'm a Detroit lions fan. We might go on, on, on victorious this season. If I, if I may, may quote Bomani Jones here, it might be time for you to get off that narcotic. Like you seem to be changing teams every now and then, like maybe it's time to let go of the lions. I don't know. Every once, every once in a while, I tie myself to a team that includes the white Sox and the lions. And well, the, and, and, and the by the way, Longhorns. The, the white Sox are so good now that baseball is going to have a work stoppage. So we don't get white Sox baseball next summer. So, well, I, looking up? I have, I have no hope if they're not, like the Blackhawks, willing to fire the coach. Well, get Tony LaRusso the hell out of Chicago. We're, well, and I'm changing the subject because I don't want to talk about the goddamn Blackhawks. <laughs> well, bad news for you. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's go back to Friday because there was a Emily Kaplan, the ESPN reporter, uh, did a hit on I think it's called the Point, the ESPN Daily Hockey Show that they've been having. I think Butcher Gross is the host. But Emily Kappen said some things that were really interesting. Now, keep in mind, this was on Friday. So the Hawks have lost two more games since then. Right? They lost Friday night as well. That was the other game. They lost them all. So, yes. Yeah. I, think, I, I just can't remember. Thursday yeah. or Friday? It was, I think it was no, Thursday. It was Thursday. It was, three, okay. it was three days between, I think. So this is this is the twenty first and twenty fourth. So this is the uh, the comments from Emily Kaplan as uh, Jay Zawoski tweeted them out, and I watched his hit. So it, it, and I'll add some more to it afterwards. Um, but Kaplan said, and I'm quoting here: "I've talked to a lot of people around the Blackhawks organization. They feel like they haven't deviated from their in parentheses rebuild plan. The sense I get, the people I talk to, there aren't even closed meetings at this point about Jeremy Colleton losing his job." They're not panicking here. Now, if it gets to 20 games and they're still seeing the same results, maybe we'll see a change. But it's not a situation if they lose two of the next three that Jeremy Colleton would be on the way out. And then she also went on to talk about Dylan Strom's situation and just – and this is where – this is another thing that I will we'll get into later. But 
she said, Kaplan said related to Strom again, quoting here, he doesn't seem to figure in their current plans, though. It sounds like they want to transition their style into more of a north-south game where guys can dump and chase and Strom is more of a high skill guy. They're putting him in the lineup to see what he can do. And if he plays well, they're going to keep him. But it does sound like they're going to continue to explore trade options because they have a surplus at center. Betsy, uh, the first half of that is what we wanted to really hone in on. And I'm just going to let you go and and start. And we're going to we're going to pick up when you uh, take a breath. OK, so first of all. That entire rebuild thing is the definition of you keep using that word. I do not think it means <laughs> what you think it means. Yes. From the Princess Bride. Because fuck you, fuck you, Bowman, for even trying to like pretend like anything that's happening right now is a rebuild. Okay. So last year they this finally podcast also brought to you by the letter F once yes. again. Sorry, go on. <laughs> the last year they finally explicitly used the word rebuild. And it was fine because they were bringing in a bunch of kids. It, we were, the Blackhawks were the youngest or one of the youngest teams in the league. And there was some amount of hope around some of, of, of that because, you know, Lincoln was doing stuff. Hagel was showing out, you know, you had all these guys working together and doing what everybody was rooting for Kershev. Kubalik was still on his streak. Debrinkit, who is still young, even though it feels like he's been here forever now, um, had a beautiful breakout season. Um, and you're like, okay, I'm okay with this rebuild, even though they ended up floundering at the end of the season um, because the workload was still trash. But either way, you were like, okay, there's a sense of this. But immediately in the summer, that stopped. Like, there's no way you can consider this a rebuild anymore. They traded two first-round picks. Rebuild teams do not do that. They traded a 20-year-old defenseman. And I don't care what your opinion is of Boquist. He was still a 20-year-old, former top 10 pick. And they traded him with two first-round picks and a high se- what will probably be a high second. Rebuild teams do not do that. They then went out and got a bunch of, uh, like a handful of people that were all like 27 or older this season. McCabe, they got Jones. They kept uh, Dahan, who I like, but he's older. They continued to sign uh, Murphy, which is fine because, you know, he's Murphy and he's great, but he's older. And then to top it all off, they got a Vesna winning goalie from last year who is old um, and is only signed for one year. And they convinced him to come here and play nothing, not even a single one of those moves suggests that you're in a rebuild. Nobody in their right mind. Everybody in the media was talking about it. The every every mouthpiece that was ever connected to the Blackhawks was talking about how oh they they switched it up and they they managed to turn those assets into something that could you know maybe contend or at least be competitive. I don't know how that many people thought they would actually contend, but at least be competitive. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Bowman because the season sucks, and he's like, no, no, this was the plan all along. We're still in a rebuild. Fuck you, buddy. Nobody believes that. Shut up. I hate you right now. I can't. This, what I can't understand is like why I don't understand why they're sticking to their guns. Like, like I don't. I, that's the part that I don't get. Like the only thing I could possibly think of is maybe something got lost in translation between uh, the, the source and the reporter. Although I have no reason to question anything Emily Kaplan's reporting. And I, I think Jay Zawoski also 
tweeted out similar thoughts, basically reaffirming what uh, Emily's mm-hmm. report was. So I don't understand. I just don't. It's painfully obvious, like, or it should be painfully obvious. Like this team was trying to win more games now. And I, I don't know if they, I don't, I hope they didn't think that this was like a cup contending roster. Maybe they did. I don't really know, but it certainly seemed like they were going, they were pushing more chips towards the middle of the table. And like, cause I feel like I've been screaming since we started doing podcasts on this website, like five years ago that you probably need to win a cup by 2022 when Taves and Kane's contracts come off the books, because that seemed like a reasonable target for when they would start declining. Taves started a little bit earlier, still a pretty good player. Certainly not what he used to be. Kane is still somehow fighting off father time. It feels like at some point that's going to catch up to him, but I just, I don't, it's it's like a two part thing is a, I don't see how this team as presently constructed gets to a Stanley cup now and, uh, and be like, I don't see I don't see how they get out of this either. That, that's like the biggest thing I wrote today, which I was I was quoting V for Vendetta. With the, yeah. whole, the whole thought was, would you really want to know? Like if this team is, a, I think I had the words completely fucked in the article and I took them out later because I just wanted to save them for the podcast because that's where we bring all the F-bombs. But if this team is, if this team is completely fucked and there's, they're not going to win now, they're not going to win in the next four to five years, do you really want to know that that's what it's going to be? Because I, it, it seems like a possibility at this point. Uh, we've been talking a ton. Shay, what, what about you? What, what are your thoughts from all of this so far? Yeah. <clears throat> Rebuild does not apply to this situation. When you trade uh, a better defenseman for a, a, I, I don't want to argue that he's a top four defenseman. I could. <laughs> I could very well easily well, argue that he's not a top four defenseman that, um, in the NHL said, anymore. He is certainly not worth not. the minutes. He is certainly not worth the minutes he's getting. 27 minutes a night? No. Get him off the ice. No. 22. Well, you cap him. You I cap him hard. I got bad news for you about that. I understand that. He's getting paid <laughs> to play those 27 minutes. He shouldn't be. Again, I've said that time and time again. Look, that trade is one of the worst trades Stan Bowman has ever made. I'm a firm person. I'm a firm believer that the worst trade Stan Bowman has ever made was uh, Dano. That like Phil Dano is a is a like as as the long term two C on this team. Like with Patrick Kane is set the Blackhawks up for long term success. That Thomas Fleischman and Dale Weiss did nothing, nothing in Chicago. Uh, and then and at least the Tavo Teravainen trade accomplished something. The, the Phil Dano trade accomplished nothing. This trade is arguably worse because Adam Boquist might be a better defenseman now and in the future than Seth Jones. Uh, they could have used that money on Dougie Hamilton, who also would have been a better defenseman than Seth Jones and like worth the 27 minutes. Um, and probably a little bit less in terms of cap space. Um, go through that. Go through the other assets. Who did, what did the second we gave? Uh, turned, on, turned, into, turned into Jake Bean, who could have been another, like another solid addition to the, the already like, they had a good defensive corpse. They're they're wasting Ian Mitchell. They're wasting Nicholas Bodan. They're well, wasting these guys. On. Hang on, because that that's where like like last season's team was not very good on the ice. I get it. There was a lot of young guys, and I understand that. But there's like the defense core now is better than the guys last year, and I I don't think that. I don't know. Play. I do. Are you seeing that on the ice? Okay. Though? Are you okay. That all right. All right. Let me, let me rephrase that. On, on paper, it should be it should be better. It should be. It better. should be. 
It should be. And, and I, I know it's not. I don't it's know not. if I don't know if any I don't know I don't know if that was actually looking at the team now who with like again they're they on paper they're good players. Jake McCabe is a good player on on ice. Uh Seth Jones is league average. Like he, they're they're fine. Uh okay. but like looking at the system is it like was it actually on Nicholas Bodan and Ian Mitchell, or was it on the fact that Jeremy Colleton's system defensively is broken? Just no, that's fair. Not good. That's like, fair. Like, could could in uh in a, in a I don't want to th- I'll throw I'll throw a name out here. I don't want him to be the the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm going to make that clear. In a John Tortorella system, are Nicholas Bodan and Ian, and Ian Mitchell as bad? Probably not. That that would be an interesting thing to see. Like that that is the one. I think that is a variable here. But I will like. We knew the team last year wasn't going anywhere, especially after Taze and Doc. Right, went yeah, down. that's a rebuild. That's what an actual yeah. rebuild. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, at least if you're going to apply the word rebuild, then that applied to Mitchell and Bodan, who were young guys learning the system. And, you know, you can argue that they probably should have been in the AHL learning a little bit more because mm-hmm. Chicago has a really weird, like, they can't for some reason anymore. <laughs> develop a defenseman <laughs> they haven't been able to do it through yeah. their own track for a very long time and it's it's embarrassing at this point honestly um on paper the defenseman that we have especially the top four should be better Dahan, absolutely jones murphy and McCab are great and i actually am i'm a little sad that we don't have the younger jones and calunuk because i think both of them would be better than what we have on the ice obviously because Gus is terrible. Um, and I haven't really like Stillman is like super all over the place. Like he has good games and then he has games where he's like, I just want to be physical and be hard to play against is what I think he's trying to do, which learned he, he putting yeah. him on the same yeah. team as Akita Zadora was probably the worst thing for Riley Stillman. No, I don't think he was better than him last year and he wasn't doing what he was doing, what he's doing now in the sample size. He's gotten worse. The games have gone on because I think they're telling them to play harder and not like, cause they keep bringing that phrase up every, okay. Every interview you have that stupid phrase harder to play against. And why and- don't you, why don't you try to win? This like, is it's skill. harder to play against makes it sound like you're trying not to lose. And this is Maybe exactly where this is exactly the, the second half of that quote about Dylan Strom from Emily Kaplan. This uh. is what caught my eyebrow because it is like, like I'm, I'm sick of talking about the system with Colleton, like wh- whatever it's, it is what it is at this point. But I think like the thing I've come down to is philosophically, I no longer like Colleton's hockey philosophy is not in touch with what's winning in hockey right now. And like, you can see it, you can see his hockey philosophy play out with his on ice decisions, going back to John Quinville in a playoff game on the top line. Or You're hundred percent correct. Yeah. You know, playing hundred percent correct. Playing like they, he thinks it's the, he thinks it's the dead puck era. He yeah. thinks like grinders are still important. He did not pay attention to the fact that there were absolutely no grinders on the sound, this on the back to back champion, uh, Tampa Bay lightning. Like is Pat Maroon a grinder? No, not really. He's he's a guy who throws his body in front of the net. But that's not a grinder. In All right, him. like that's and, not an old fashioned grinder. And this is this is the part that I do not understand with this team. Okay, like I don't know if it's because Stan Bowman just hates hates Joe Quinville this much, but you had perhaps the best hockey this, like stretch of hockey any organization has had in twenty five years. You won three cups in six years. From thirteen to fifteen, you had the best team in the league by a. It was you guys and it was the Hawks in LA and everyone else competing for third by a mile. 
They were so, so good. And they were, it was, yeah, they were hard to play against because they were highly skilled because they played and they played quality hockey. They, they denied injuries at the blue line. Their forwards back, checked their asses off. They pinched in the middle, forced you to the wall, made you dump it in, got the puck back. Um, they, they broke out well. Everybody was in the right place at the right time, knew where their opponents were going to be. They moved the puck faster than they could skate. Like they did all these things so, so well. And now you have a coach whose hockey philosophy is completely different and your team sucks out loud every night. So what I don't understand is how, how did you go from this coach from, from Quinville to Colleton and their hockey philosophies and everybody above him is still the same. Like the general manager is the same. Like maybe some of the, you know, like the team president's gone. There's a few other changes, but the overall hockey philosophy should not have changed with this team, but it appears to have changed and it has changed for the worse. And I don't fucking understand that because you won three cups with the original philosophy. It's it's okay. So dump and chase. So teams can win with dump and chase. It's not like it's like the end of the, like the LA Kings are a perfect example of a team that was, could out, just out hustle you mm-hmm. to get there. They were really good at, beating people into the zone. It was one of those things that kept coming up with the Hawks and the, the Blackhawks. It was like, which, which style wins out? Well, the tra- the high transition team t- technically will win out because every other team that's won since then has been that way, including Tampa, though Tampa could, depending on the opponent, switch up. Like they had enough people that could go fetch, but so did the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks had the Bickle shawl, uh, Stahlberg line in 2013 and they had the Vermette Shaw or uh, Sharp and mm-hmm. then Desjardins, Desjardins I'm not a, Kruger, you know, Desjardins, Shaw, and Shaw and Kruger and they could they could fetch you knew that they could but that wasn't that was that was like a, a skill that they could pull out of their bag it wasn't what they did all the time and how many players on the team currently are both skills enough to like, once you have the puck, once you've fetched it, can do something with it. That's the next step. Mm-hmm. Who cares if Joel Quinn, you know, J- not Joel, uh, Joe Quinville, cute little Q kid can fetch. He can't do anything afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's just a dead puck. He loses it. It's the same thing that happened with Zadorov. He could occasionally get the puck and you're like, okay, cool. But nothing happens afterwards. You know, it's not like it's when Hosta goes and fetches a puck and it, magic happens. Mm-hmm. Or when Doc goes and fetches or Hakel goes and fetches right now, both of them are really good at retrievals. They both have really good puck retrieval numbers. And then they turn it into something. They, they have good puck retrieval uh, that turns into a scoring chance. Um, after they've retrieved a puck, those are, those are good trans. Those are good transition numbers. How many of those types of players are actually on this team? Because guess what? They still have the lowest expected goals per 60 rate, which means even if they're catching pucks, even if they're making it in there after they've dumped them, they're not doing anything with them. It's still dying. The offense is dying and it's sad to see. And that's I, I thought that this team, if if there was going to be an issue early on, it's they're going to be they were going to be losing like six to five or five to four every night. Like maybe the defense is going to take some time to mesh together, but it, it's all. I mean, they're like the only the power play is good and the penalty kill is good. Everything else sucks, and and that's roughly like based off numbers from prior seasons. Seventy five to eighty percent of the game is at five on five, and the Hawks and I- are fucking awful at that part of the game. 
And I'd be willing to bet that the penalty kill and the power play are the things that Jeremy Colleton doesn't coach, especially <laughs> judging by the fact that he handed over the clipboard. <laughs> All right. That, like, during that game, you know, Dominic Kubalik and Dominic Kubalik and Alex DeBraincat drew up the play. And I know that's more, apparently normal for the Blackhawks, but still, that's wild. The more I thought about that, the more I think that, that isn't Mitel the one of the assistant coach? Isn't he the one that handles the power? Mitel, play? Yeah, and he was yeah. and he was on the uh, in COVID protocol. I really also, think that I like I I know it's it looks bad and, and it's like everyone's you know clickbait thing. I really feel like there's a mild overreaction. That it's well, not a good look. For also, sure. to be fair, it like it almost worked. Yeah, it, that's <laughs> what Calton did say. To his credit, it's like, yeah, well, we did have a really good chance. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good it was a good play. They were like, like honestly, like going going back to Calton though. I, I'm I'm to the point. I I barely even want to talk about him anymore because I feel like his time he's he's gone. Like it's just a matter of time. You do not have a stadium chanting fire coach's name here, and come back from that. Like I, I, if someone can prove me wrong and please tell me, but if uh, a head coach is getting the fire Colleton chant after a game, I don't see how he comes back from that. So it feels like it's just a matter of time. Well, I mean, and also can we point out too that the beginning of the season hasn't actually been a tough workload. Okay. No, no. The abs just like the abs are having like, uh, crisis, like a little bit, yeah. you know, they're, they're the stumbling, abs and the, they and still, the, again, and the golden Knights too. They, they both still of, both just, of the teams. Yeah. They still, still destroyed the Blackhawks. You know, they made them look like idiots and then went on to stumble the, the, the devils, which are a tweener team, you know, they could be something, but you don't know yet. You know, um, Pittsburgh, who was without how many stars, like, come on, Crosby really, really good, you know, good <laughs> yeah. coach. Obviously, then you have the Islanders who are were stumbling like crazy, Vancouver who were stumbling like crazy, and Detroit. That's fucking Detroit. So you got like three teams that, by the way, that were on slumps that the Hawks busted. The Hawks are and, the slump buster. Congratulations! I mean, yeah. and the Red Wings had lost the night before to the Canadians, yes. who are the other unbeaten, the teams, formerly winless Canadians. Un- so they beat the um, shit out of the and the door. Blackhawks. And they still and they face the Leafs, who are another stumbling team. They just lost their fourth yeah. straight. Um, and of course, everybody is, you know, like that's like a big. It's, it's as big a thing in Canada as Chicago being so crappy right now. Um, and it's just, it's like, what if, like, who, which, which terrible team is going to come out <laughs> on top? Are we going to bust the slump of the Leafs too? Because that would just be yeah. their luck. And then after that, they have. Like Pittsburgh again. You no, know, it's and... a weekend. A weekend back to back. Carolina and St. Louis. Yeah, yeah both yeah. on the road. Yes, and then good, they face Carolina again. Uh, not that long. Like, like they had the Sims and the Jets, and both of them. Like the Sims are actually doing better than you know you would think. And then I was the good. That's not good because are. I was kind of pointing to Ottawa as a team that they might be able to beat. That game. It's it's Monday night, November first. I I will. Well, I, I don't give a shit what the announced attendance will be. There, I will. There will probably not be more than fifteen thousand people in that building. There gonna be a lot of people dressed as empty seats that night because it's Monday night. Two shitty teams. I mean, the Sens are like they at least have they have two wins, which I mean, <laughs> they're at like well, four hundred, which is I like already, more I already than I up, thought they would be at. I already used up my favorite joke on Twitter. It's what's the difference between a Blackhawks and a Triangle? Triangle has three points. Oh. Good night, everybody. Um, um, the Jets are doing whatever the Jets are doing, and then the 
the, the perch are there. The preds are there, you know, yeah. like they exist. The so there's a, there's a couple of teams. Um, and then again, the pens and then you got Arizona again. So like, but if, if they've lost most of those games past Arizona, there's four days off. If Colleton has not fired before that Seattle game. That's I like, I, I think we, we were talking about this last week that like, yeah. and I, I was less, less committal about it. Uh, I, I'm much more, I feel like more fervent about this point now about they play Friday, uh, Friday night, November 12th against the coyotes. And then they have four days off that you mentioned Betsy before they go to Seattle for the first time. And those four days off seem like a hell of a time to make a coaching change. If you're going to make one. Um, Ugh, and like, course, like I said, I, I like, <sighs> it's, so, it's distressing because also, uh, I was talking about this before, like in the comments and somebody got mad at me because I used the phrase. Um, cause I was like, you know, Bowman should have had a backup plan, you know, like he should have, he should have had a backup plan that more than Mark Crawford, you know, that's more than Crawford. Yeah, more than Mark Crawford. And, um, somebody was like, well, that would have been undermining JC from the start and nobody's, you know, you wouldn't want to do that. And I was like, so what you're saying is that Bowman is a super arrogant asshole who cares more about his own like <laughs> belief that he's like the best GM ever and pick the best coach ever than making sure he had a contingency plan. Like there's who cares? Ego's ego seems like the only answer. It's just like, like Stan thought he was so goddamn smart. Cause he found this guy in Europe and he brought him into Rockford and then he fired a future hall of fame coach and said, my guy's going to be better. And, and now he's, uh, now he doesn't have the guts to. And it's so, it's, it's so yeah. terrible because he had other coaches in the system. Sullivan was in the system for a year. Um, Granado was in the system for a year. And all of those guys could have been something, maybe. I don't no. know. But they would have been also, better than they, they both had way more experience <laughs> with young players in a so called rebuild than. It's, it's, it's very easy to say um, ex coach here could have been better because of how shit it has been since. Right, and yeah. also, uh, by the way, a future Hall, a Hall of Fame coach who's currently coaching what is arguably the best team in hockey. Hey, uh, I I don't know about you guys, but I picked them to win the cup, so I'm taking. I'm I'm still trusting the Golden Knights to figure it out somehow. Yeah, of course, of course you are. Um, I'm Rob and Letter all get it together. Okay. Good luck. That's with what that. I have to believe. Good I have luck. to believe that. Yeah. Well. Good luck with that. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna take a quick timeout. Come back on the other side of this break, and I'll, we'll we'll talk about something. Um, it's it's probably gonna be Blackhawks related, so it won't be pleasant. But we're gonna we're gonna have fun with it. We're gonna make it entertaining. I promise. So come on back to the other side of the timeout for that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And uh, as promised before the break, we're gonna dive into a few more Blackhawks things. Gonna do our best to keep it lighthearted. But I mean, guys. They're they're all five and one. It's it's pretty it's pretty damn hard to uh, to find the, the the rose shade with which to view this team. Um, so, so as I I think I said this before the break, or maybe I said it during our little time out there. I can't remember, but um, the conversation with Jeremy Colleton, like I'm, I feel like I've moved on from that conversation because he's getting fired. I don't know when. I hope it's sooner so that we can move on to the next chapter because it that's clearly not working. But my area of my, my bigger grievance is, is more with just the overall organizational direction of this franchise. And, and like, like the coaching decision was a bad one. Cool. But 
they're continuing to make big decisions, worse decisions above Colleton's head. And that goes all back to team president and general manager, Stan Bowman. And that doesn't even get into all the off the ice shit that is uh, his name is attached to, um, which oh. is still <laughs> hanging alive. But um, the, the point I wanted to make, though, is I don't understand how he can be allowed to hire a second coach because like you inherited Joe Quinville, who was very good. You, as we discussed earlier, you, uh, those two never got along fine personality conflict, whatever. Yeah. And even when they let Quinville go, like I, I can understand it. Maybe you just needed a different voice, whatever, but the guy you brought in ain't working. And this was your guy that you brought over from Europe and had coach your AHL team. And then when the time was right, you fired the Hall of Fame coach and you brought in your guy. How in the hell is he going to be allowed to do this again? I don't, I don't, this doesn't seem like he should get a mulligan. That's the, I think there's a, I think there's a fundamental difference between hiring a second coach full time and doing a full search and like looking through candidates, like uh, outside candidates and hiring Mark Crawford being an interim head coach. And I don't think he gets to this. I don't think he gets to the former. I think he does the latter. Uh, and then somebody else does the former. Um, also Bowman's issues started. Um, okay. The collapse of the Blackhawks. <laughs> when did oh, that oh, happen? <laughs> it's, it's kind <laughs> of what it, it is though. It was the overreaction to the Nashville sweep in my yeah. Okay. The, it was an overreaction. There was two trades that happened, you know, immediately after that season. And one of them was Jean for Murphy, which makes sense in the way that Murphy was up, like was a rising player who could turn into a genre in the future and had, you know, we all know Jalmerson was hurting at the end and it turned out to be a good thing because he was very injured and all that kind of stuff. And obviously people were upset because it was Jalmerson and everybody mm-hmm. loved him. Right. But that's okay. That's not a bad trade, but trading Panarin for the package that they got. And it's not that they couldn't trade Panarin because we all know they weren't going to be able to afford him, but trading him for Brandon Saad, who is good, but is not a top 10 not a star not yeah he's not he's just just not how it works a backup that hadn't done anything at that point and then who the fuck else like who marco Dano, right was was it artem anisimov part of that trade um no no no. that was the original brandon side yeah yeah Yeah, you're getting your brandon side trade oh my god because they both they're all awful all side trades are bad sorry backup <laughs> the first Brandon Saad trade was terrible in 2015, but I'm talking about the. I actually didn't. I don't hate the 20 like the 2015 Brandon Saad trade because they were trying to find a two C forever that worked with that would work with Kane and who would hopefully work with their Russian player that they were just bringing over that they hoped would be a star and it did work, mm-hmm. um, and that the, was fine. The, the problem is, trade, is that the the full terms of this were uh, Panarin and a six-round pick, and Tyler Mott to Columbus for a fifth, Anton Forsberg and Brandon Saad. Yeah, exactly. So in what world does that package equal Panarin? And on top of that, there is no need to trade him right then. They had him for another two years. They could have kept him for another year to see, one, to build up his um, 
like to, to build up his reputation even more. Panarin was super valuable, but Panarin's not the reason they lost to Nashville. Panarin's not the reason they lost to St. Louis the year before that. The, those were other those were other personnel choices that Bowman made, um, and that was just a terrible trade. And then he continued. And I, I, you know, on paper, they were like, well, they need to get better defensively. Sure. But you still do not trade a top 10 offensive player, possibly a top five offensive player at the time for that package. That's just, you don't do it. You got shit value for it. You just didn't get full value for it. Um, And that's, that's Bowman's problem is all of his big trades are not great. Like, Mm -hmm. They're just not. He has good small trades. Oduya is a great trade. Letty was a great trade. Kubalik was a great trade. You know, like you sit there and he's good. He knows how to trust his Euro department. So he's got good signings. He, you know, Brad Richards was a great, great signing. That kind of stuff. He can't trade big. Guy yeah, cannot no, trade no. big. And the, well, and, Look, the, and the Seth Jones trade yes. of last summer is yeah, a yeah, pretty big indication of that. And like, I still... Yes. I, I guess it, like and, and the other part of that, like even like the trade, like I could have lived with, but then like to sign him to nine more years. Oh, you know, do you know what? Also, so they're sitting there. Here's Bowman trying to shove rebuild back at us. Okay. Well then why'd you go after Seth Jones right now? Why didn't you just wait for him to be yes. a free agent next year and sign him for fucking free? <laughs> okay. He wasn't going to go anywhere else. He didn't. Everybody else had dropped out and you were right. the only team that was willing to pay him that money for that long okay it was them and the, it was them and the stars and the stars don't have to pay uh, Klingberg this summer yeah and the stars dropped out of trading for him because they didn't want to give up Klingberg first... oh, yeah and oh, and you're just like why did you it's kind of like look Buffalo got nothing for Hall because he said he only wanted to go to one place okay and to you know Hall had a full you know, no move clause. So he got to dictate completely, but at the same time, (laughs) Seth Jones was pretty much like, I only want to go to a couple of teams and all of them have dropped out except for one. How do you not make that happen? How do you, how do you still give up two first round picks a second? Three, three. And Adam Boquist and a 20 year old and a 20, 20 year old uh, defenseman who Looks pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to say Adam Boquist is going to be a star. I don't know anymore, but he looked pretty good. And, you know, like, if you're rebuilding, why are you doing that? When you could have then signed Seth Jones in the offseason for free. And I get there's, like, risk that maybe he would find another home, like he could go somewhere and find a home. But at that point, that would have been fine. That's a risk you should take, (laughs) you know, if you're rebuilding. I just – I don't understand – I guess I don't understand what changed so quickly. Like we talked about last season, you know, Taves and Doc got hurt before Christmas. We knew the season was going to be shit. They went with all the young guys. I would love to know what was the conversation that led to all these acquisitions, because I, I, I don't know if they were worried about not filling the stadium or if they were sick of losing or if, Patrick Kane rang them up and said, go get some damn players so we can win some games. Like, I don't understand. It's just, it's baffling to me. Yeah. I don't don't mind them having signed McCabe or kept Dahan and stuff like that. It's going for Seth Jones and putting all your chips on him in one big push. And I don't, and, and you know what, like Shay and I both wrote like 
I don't know how many articles that we were like, no, we don't like this guy. And I actually have not minded him very much. No, I, I, as a defenseman, uh, I I, you, uh, just, yeah, we're, we know uh, we're not yeah. saying great. Jay. We're just saying we haven't, we didn't minded him. And he hasn't, he's, he's not looked egregiously bad. No, no. I don't even think he's looked. No, bad. yeah. I, I think he's looked. I think he's looked. At, I think he's looked like a second pairing defenseman in a bad system. You like, I just. I feel like if he was on a better team, like if he was on uh, the Penguins, <laughs> who have a good coach and a good system, he probably would be doing very well, and at least he'd be doing better. And my issue is not with Seth Jones as a player anymore. My issue is with what was gotten for him and then what he signed for because a couple of years of him being like near maybe touching the elite word is not enough to get that kind of contract and it is certainly not enough to get that many um assets and it is certainly not when the other team's back is against the wall and you're in a quote-unquote rebuild Mm -hmm. come on sir yeah honest, honest question is this version of seth jones just a little bit better, Trevor Daly. Oh, it's. No, I think it's way better than. That. Yeah, he's I way more he's, athletic than him. Especially when you mentioned the Penguins, I was like, "Oh, is he just Trevor Daly?" Well, the, the, like other, the, Trevor other, Daly. the other problem with Trevor Daly is Trevor Daly was a. I can't remember which one it was. It was a Trevor Daly was a skate first guy to get the puck out of the zone, and Quinville wanted yeah. the defenseman to move the puck out of yeah. the zone, and it, it was a bad fit for Quinville's system. So that, yeah, that was, a good it was a round peg square hole situation, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, that. and by the time Trevor Daly got to that to the Blackhawks, he wasn't the Trevor Daly he was like at the same age that Seth Jones was. Trevor Daly was a good, he was a top defense, like he was a top mm-hmm. pair defenseman. He was at least a number two. Um and so with Seth Jones. Yes, and I'm saying that he could be a number, like I think he could be a top pairing defenseman. Even not just in the way that the Blackhawks are using him because they're they're making him eat a lot of minutes, but if he was on a well-coached team that had a defensive group that could help support, I think he could be that. I mean, I just I think it's possible. Um, I haven't disliked him, and I didn't think I I I didn't. This was new. This was I was not expecting. To I, th- not. I think I said last week, like I, I don't think I realized how well he skates for how big he is. Like, no, see, I, I all knew that. I just still thought. I well, I, I, I remember that. Like that was the book year. on him. But when, I think when you see it, it's just like it's. I it's, guess because I watch like, a lot of Columbus. I would watched a lot of Columbus games. Um, do that to yourself. I really, really, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually liked their like you know the big goalie hugs and anyway. Yeah. Um, my thing is, my thing is, he's he's supposed to be a good offensive defenseman, and like I know the ten zero thing is out there, and he's not. Again, we've talked about how he's not at fault for the, a lot of those ten, but he's kind of at fault for the zero end of it because yeah. he needs to be driving a lot more offense. But well, nobody on the does. team is. So <laughs> yeah. here's my thing: is every time we sit there and go, because somebody will say the same thing, they'll go, "Why, why isn't Kane scoring five on five? And it's like. He is trying. He cannot get through this stupid system. Why is Doc not scoring? Why is Brinkett not scoring? Why is Kubelik not scoring? Why is Page not scoring? Exactly. Why aren't they? If it's a bunch of players not scoring, that is a symptom and not they're not the cause. Okay. And so that's that's the same thing I'm saying with Seth Jones. I think 
I think he's shown that he's pretty, he's got four points in six games. That's pretty damn good. It is all, you know, three of them are on the power play, but I think he's shown he's pretty offensive. I haven't minded his defense. I wish he was in a better system so that we could see if he actually could recapture some of his glory. Currently, it's not happening, but it's also not as bad as I thought it would be. That's just my final Seth Jones thought. Here's what I would like to ask both of you, and I think we'll we'll wrap it up on this note here. Um, as again, the, the the article I wrote today, like I was trying to take a look at the big picture because every every day that they continue walking in the wrong direction, it feels like they are screwing, they're dooming themselves for longer and longer and longer because um your your younger players don't develop, your veterans don't get better or get worse, and just the, the the long-term road gets worse and worse and worse as things go on. And let's let's go with let's put let's call it that November 12th game against the Arizona Coyotes. Let's say November 13th, Colleton is fired. And I really I assume it's going to be Mark Crawford's going to be the interim coach and maybe they'll and then at the end of the season they'll decide on promoting him full time or whatever. But just for the sake of discussion, let's assume you get a an average NHL coach, the 15th best, co- 16th best coach in the NHL. There's better ones. There's worse ones. A guy who can just make the team. He doesn't affect the team negatively or positively. He's just kind of there. What do you think happens with this team for the rest of the season? Like, does it, does it bounce back enough to get into playoff? I guess just what, what effect would that have on the rest of the, the rest of the season and the rest of the outlook for the season. Betsy, I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, technically we talked about this in our little break, but they're only four points out from a playoff spot because of how underperforming the central has been that, in general. That is a good point. The central so, has not been off to a good start. And neither before. has, neither has the Pacific, you know, Vegas is doing something weird and we know they're going to bounce back when they don't have injuries that, you know, mm-hmm. that's legitimate. They're not bad. They just have a lot of guys out. Um, abs are, like cursed or something, you know, um, the jets are doing something weird, but there's a possibility that if those teams don't do well, um, we could have a, like the Blackhawks could have a season like the Preds did last year, where the reason the Preds made the playoffs was not really because the Preds were that much better. It was because the Blackhawks were so bad <laughs> that the Preds beat them a lot. And, <laughs> you know, and their goaltending carried them. And I think, that flower hasn't been himself, but I also think that <laughs> they keep like leaving him out to dry, you know, and <laughs> right. you know, Lincoln and can, can have like bursts of hotness, you know, like he could be a hot goalie for a little while. So I think anything is possible, but it really depends on how well the rest, of, like if everybody else gets their shit together too. Um, I'm not holding my breath. I just still think that on paper, the personnel is better than, what they've shown that's just my I I think it's really the coach is more of a problem at least at this point I would you can get rid of one person more than you can get rid of a bunch of other yeah Shay go ahead yeah I think this is a team that has a ceiling that is the first wild card so yeah Yeah. no I I think I think when I think that when three of the four of us picked them to be a playoff team, I think that was what we were all thinking or or it's probably the second one of the wild card spots I think yes because of the way they have started, I don't know if the average coach can get them there. 
I, I think a good coach would have a hard time getting them to the playoffs this year. Even like, again, even with like the three best teams in the West or should be three best teams in the West having weird starts. Um, and yes, thank you, Betsy, for giving us our excuse that the Vegas Golden Knights are just hurt. And that's not the fact that our three defensemen who are supposed to drive offense are where the hell is Shea Theodore? Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not just that. Uh, I just, it's even, I think even a, an average coach would need like a three and three start from this team to get them to the playoffs. That's not what they're getting. Um, so I don't, I honestly can't tell you if the Blackhawks are indeed trying to rebuild weirdly. That is it even like, I know, I know Jeremy Carlton can't keep going into a building where he's constantly booed for good reason. But at the same time, hot take, is it not worth trying to get a top two pick and keep that? No. Yeah, but, but, I, but like, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Shane Wright, pick. Shane Wright, and a good coach found in the offseason can probably help this team more I, yeah, than but Mark Crawford in losing the first round pick. If they like, do like not get one of the top two picks, what if they get the third pick? They don't get it. And, because they and, gave it away in the Seth Jones trade. How many I, and, sh- and and this is my I this this strikes out there because this I hate this I hate tanking so so much. I have I I wrote a thorough article about it. I hate it with every fiber of my being. It goes against every. It's a soul. It's it just goes against everything that I think sports are supposed to be. And my other thing with a more reasonable take: What has Connor McDavid won? They have the best hockey player in the world in Edmonton, and they don't have shit. Around, well, they have Dry's Idol. They have two of the best hockey players in the world. They don't have shit around them, and they suck. So you can talk to me about Shane Wright all you want. I don't give a shit because it's not going to fix. Shane Wright will not fix this team. You need Shane Wright and then 15 other pieces. You needed just the way 15 years ago you needed Taves and Kane and Keith and Boland, and Brower, and Bufflin, and Bickle, and Sharp, and Havlat for a while, and then Hosa. You needed so many other people. I think there's good pieces already on the Blackhawks that, like, again, with good coaching can get there. It's just... But they're all going to be... They could be They could be even better if they have, like, a player like Shane Wright. They're going to be like they, five by I the time Shane Wright gets the I agree. They, they won't. They won't be. Shane Wright is an immediate impact player. That's why he's going to go first overall. I but, totally and, like, agree. And he can help, he can help Doc and Debrinkat. And those are two, are two guys on in the core that is, like, the new core that, like, those two can get help from Shane Wright. If the, if the Blackhawks had not given away their first round pick for next year. And I know it's, it's lottery picked. Then yeah, maybe that's a thing that could happen, but they didn't. There's just, it's too much of a risk. They could have, they would suck for the year on top of that, not have anything to show for it. Not just not wins, but they wouldn't have any high draft pick. And and it's not worth it. If you have a season that you end up in the lottery, that probably means Kirby doc didn't get any better. It probably means um, none of your AHL guys right now had like the, the amount of, there's too many guys that are here right now that would also be here in the short and long term that would not be negatively affected by a tanking season. That, and that is my, like, this is, this is where I like when the, I mean, when the, when the White Sox did this and the Cubs did this, it was a different situation because they had the guys that were on the team when they were ter- when they were tanking, we're not going to be there when they were good. 
it's happened. A lot of the guys who are the, who are on this team are not going to be here when the Blackhawks are good. But the, well, Calvin the, DeHaan, Calvin DeHaan is not going to be on but this you team ju- when the Blackhawks are good. You just said Kirby Doc and Alex DeBrinket are going to be top line guys with Shane yes. Wright. They're here yes, because they're here long term. Like those are okay, two, but that's two what guys. I'm saying. The other guys, the other guys, maybe purposefully are all in Rockford. Maybe Reichel is there for a reason. But uh, there's too many guys at the that like you, you Kubalik would probably still be one of these guys and talking to break it and I just there's it's it's bad it's just there's something to be said I will it, it's a it's a intangible thing so it's hard to quantify but there is something to be said for knowing how to win games at the professional level and right. they don't know how to do that right now and a season of tanking is not going to help even if and I if, just, they I gonna, just, if they were going to tank they shouldn't have put all their chips on set yes. downs anyway that's just, I know. That's just I, they should have they again this all keeps coming back to the same point they should never have made the set downs trade that's what we agree on that that's well, a bad I, well, trade you know, I mean, it takes away the tanking option because if you gamble at all, you've already you all your chips are already on Seth Jones, and now you're gambling on the lottery. And if they don't, you've got literally nothing to show for it. Yeah, and that was the biggest issue with that that one. It was like three weeks of the off season when everything changed. When they went from a team that was playing all the young guys, looking long term, and then all of a sudden, I guess we're winning now, but we're they're saying we're still rebuilding. So I don't fucking know. Um, I, yeah, my I don't point know. is I just I don't even like I I can't even promise you that Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane will be on this team when they're good again. Well, like the, the there's um I forget who it is, but uh, Patrick Kane's an unrestricted free agent. It's Chris Block C- keeps tweeting out twenty months. Patrick Kane's an unrestricted free agent, and I and so is Jonathan Taves. And I know that they love Chicago, and you know they grew up here. They they got families here. Well. Kane's got a kid here. I don't think Taves is family, but whatever. But they like they've become part of this city in so many ways. But man, I mean, so have like like Joe Thornton was. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I'm sorry if somebody if somebody like Patrick Kane is also like you know probably wants to win games. He's a huge. He's just a hockey dork. He's a hockey geek. He's fully immersed in the sport. And if somebody says you know. We'll give you ten ten million dollars for the next three years, and and we're going to compete for a cup. I I, I I'm sure he's going to listen. I so. mean, who would who would have that money and be in a position to do that though? I cross. I'm sure somebody will. Also, or somebody will be close enough, and we'll be able to throw yeah. ten million dollars at Kane to make them a contender. And then not like per year. I don't think he would. I don't think Kane would take another huge contract. Um, yeah. I actually think at that point he probably would take at least somewhat of a lower hit. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, uh, that doesn't really like help the Hawks uh, because people keep saying, "Well, can you really have a rebuild if you didn't get rid of, like, if you didn't trade your last pieces of core for the next core?" And well. Obviously, they couldn't for most of these people. <laughs> most of them. Jean Merson is the only one that got traded for a piece that could have been a part of a future core. Um, Keith got traded for, you know, Jones. Jones. Yeah. I mean, he might be good, but he's not going to be like part of the core. And Mary Hosa got traded Hosa. for Mackenzie Antwistle, who's going to be a role player. Traded for contract. Yes. And then um, you've got. Pretty much all the, you know, Sharp got traded for like a shit trade. Um, again, can't do big trades, um, which is another trade Steve where, yeah, they get, but 
because Sharp had a NTC, it was hard for Bowman to move him. He only wanted to go to a certain number of teams. So he was Sharp was smart and was like, he put like teams that would never go for him on his list, narrowed it down. And so Bowman was backed into a corner, had to take Daly back, even though Daly was never going to fit Q's system. And he had to give Stephen Johns to do it in the first place. And yeah, so anyway, how Bowman is always on the other side of that on a big trade, I don't understand every single time. I, and and I don't understand how he still has a job because because every other team that was like he still has a job because he was a good maintainer. <laughs> like and he was, he was a good maintainer for a while. And he but can he actually build a group of players? I think he's got some pieces, but he keeps getting he's got like the grass is always greener syndrome. He yeah. always wants to go for somebody else. Um, Yuki Haru, now Boquist, you know, even, and I actually, you know, obviously Hartman ended up giving us Kurashev, but like Hartman is actually a really good role player in NHL yeah. now, you know, like that well, really and, like, and the, bugs me. The other thing with Stan Bowman, like, uh, I, the, the old trope of Dale Talon built the, the cup winners, not Stan oh, Bowman. We did it, but yeah. So no, yeah. It's, it's, I'm sick of hearing about it, but there, there is a point to be made that, and, and somebody made it in our comment section today, and I, I will look it up and credit them, and I forget, so I apologize. But there there is an argument to be made that Stan Bowman has never assembled a cup contending team because right. he did have – the word you use, Betsy, maintainer, is a very good describe. Uh, like, he he moved a lot of pieces around. You know, he went out. He got Johnny Oduya. I believe he drafted Saad and Shaw. So he his fingerprints were on the 13 and 15 team a lot. But he's never, like, built a team from scratch, and he wasn't – I wouldn't quite say scratch right now, but pretty damn close to it. I mean, he had Taves and Kane and, and then a lot of aging players and that was about it. So this, and, and he picked the coach. So this is what you're seeing from Stan Bowman's like 95% roster construction. Yeah. And the minute he had, not great, Bob. Because, because when he had constraints, when he had cap constraints and he had to like play as smart as possible. He had to do things like move Ben Smith out for, you know, start, um, you know what? Andrew Desarden. Here you go. Um, (laughs) Words are just not happening for me right now. Um, You know, little pieces like that, you know, I'm going to pick up a Hanzus who I'm hoping can be a three or a four and he ends up playing above that, you know, that kind of thing. These like small pieces that can just fit and do their parts. Um, and you know, sometimes those parts were bigger because they were the Aduyas, or even Stahlberg was really good on the 13 team for his role, you know, like he wasn't a great player, but for his role on that third line was great. Um, and that kind of stuff, you know, you're like, these are good moves for him, but it's because he was so constrained, maybe that they that's how it worked. The minute you give him like the cash and you say, go get what you want, unfiltered. <laughs> he has bad, bad picks. So, bad picks. so what you're so what you're saying? He's due for some good moves because now they're you now they're right up against the cap again. Ugh. Or you gotta hope that oh no, <laughs> um, yeah. Or just remember whoever, whoever, whoever his uh, Euro people are, just let them be in charge. Now. I'm just gonna end on this. Just let them be the captain. and and, and uh. I, Shay, did you, you might have uttered these words last week, so I'm going to make sure no one says them again this week because the number one rule of Chicago sports is it can always get a little bit worse. So I'm not going to tempt fate and, see, and, and ask that question of, of how it could because it, it, it absolutely can. We don't – and I, I just 
just know it can get worse. That that's all. That's my that's my closing thought to leave everyone on a big uplifting thing. It can always get a little bit worse. Um, hopefully it, it doesn't. Um, I I just yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll talk to you next week when the Blackhawks are all seven and two. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll be coach. Hey, two points. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> pity points, loser that's points. Hundred, yeah, pity all right, that that's gonna do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Um, I think we've all depressed each other enough. Uh, hopefully, you guys got something out of this group therapy session. I've I've had a few drinks and 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 yelled a little bit, so I think I feel a little bit better. I'm gonna I go. Can't watch. even say names anymore. I mean, I can't say them <laughs> normally, but like extra can't say them tonight. Yeah. yeah. So um. So yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Shay and Betsy for hanging out tonight. Well, we should get Mill back next week. He was dealing with some some issues that I think many people in the Chicagoland area were dealing with of effort. It rained for roughly 300 hours in a row. Um, so, yeah, thanks again for listening. Uh, stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. We'll, we'll keep writing about whatever the hell it is this team is going to do. Um, we'll have another Musings on Madison recording up for you next week. I've been Dave Melton. As always, go Hawks.